Hello everyone from around the world and welcome to another episode of Bidwabask, aka But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, a Seinfeld podcast about the minor and secondary characters of our beloved show Seinfeld. And this is our 26th ever episode and we're at season 2, episode 8 overall. And uh, this week we're talking about the Puerto Rican Day and my name's Stephen, uh, my name's Ivan, sorry, uh, what? <laughs> what? Jeez, <laughs> <Jeez. laughs> we swapped identities. Yeah, I'm Ivan, and uh, no, I'm Stephen, you're yeah, Ivan. That's it, and, uh, exactly. Yeah, today we're talking about the Puerto Rican Day, the uh, second last ever canonical episode. Yeah, I know, we, we should like swap identities, yeah? Yeah, we should. I'll, um, yeah, I'll, I'll live your life for a week and you live mine. Oh, nice. I can live without meat for a week or, or, or dairy, that's all right. Yeah, I could probably do that as well. Nice. <laughs> You're so good. <laughs> Jeez, what a great start, I, I got my name wrong. You think after 26 yeah. episodes, I would have got it right. Well, you mean like 28 or 29 years of life as well. Oh, exactly, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Each episode you were, represents... You were, named, yeah. you were named Ivan before we started the podcast as well, just in case you forgot. In case I forgot. I was going to say, every episode represents one year of my life almost. So, you know, I'm 29 years old and uh, we're up to the episode 26. So, you know, it's almost one for one. That's true. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a bit... bit uh, my, my gap's a bit bigger than yours. I'm 33. So oh. I've got to do about seven more episodes. But but I'll get there. Oh, you'll get there. Don't worry. You'll uh, you'll catch up soon. The deficit will uh, will be gone soon. Indeed. Yeah. And this is our well. We've been going doing Skype for the whole of season two so far, and uh, this is going to be our last Skype episode for a while. We're going to be back in the studio next week, Stephen and I. So uh, we can't wait. Yeah, we were just talking about that before we uh, started recording, and uh, we were both pretty excited about it. So it should be really good to get back face to face, and uh, yeah, make it a bit. It's uh yeah, it'll just be better overall. Yeah, I know definitely. I like it, it's good because you know we can kind of. I was just telling you before we can kind of bounce off each other, and I I feel like even though like the Skype ones have been great, you know the Skype the Skype episodes, I feel like being in person in the studio is just uh, just adds a bit of I don't know like nat- natural. I don't know, it just just feels natural, you know, more natural for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's better. it's it sounds better. I think it's a difference between say studio music and live music both are fine but one is more intimate one is just more organic more natural and yeah we get we get better better uh, better episodes i think better indeed better 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 episodes yeah and uh probably better better language skills too i think so and what do you think do you think uh, (laughs) what do you think do you think our uh, our studio episodes are better than our skype ones or vice versa let us know uh we're on social media at bidwabask b-i-d-w-b-a-s-c and we also have an email address so drop us a line bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com Yep, and we have a website as well, bidwabast.com, and uh, we're on iTunes and anywhere else you can get podcasts. Uh, and if you want to leave us a review on uh, iTunes, that would be amazing. We'd really appreciate it. Absolutely, we sure would. Now, Stephen, let's get into Seinfeld news, shall we? Yeah, it sounds good. So in this week's edition of Seinfeld News, we've got quite a lot to get through. Oh, yeah. It's been very Uh, eventful this week, hasn't it? It has. It has. Wow. Uh, I'll start from the top. So this is literally the latest Seinfeld News that exists. Uh, I only came across it an hour before we started recording. Oh, that's hard. So as a lot of people would know, um, and we've talked about it over the last month or so, uh, the new Netflix uh, Seinfeld special, it's called Jerry Before Seinfeld, that actually came out today, and we're recording on September 19th. Uh, in Australia in the evening and I got a little notification on my phone to say it was available and I jumped on straight away and uh, I've watched the first third or so yeah um, it's pretty okay so far not bad it's mostly yeah it's mostly uh, Jerry performing a stand-up set at the comic strip which is the club where he got his start yeah it's intercut with footage uh, of uh, of sort of uh, 70s and 80s New York as well as old stand-up footage of him um, on, you know, talk shows and just sort of, um, I guess, camp, like film sets, like amateurly film sets and stuff. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so I've only watched a third of it because we had to get recording. But, um, yeah. yeah, I look forward to finishing it. So, yeah, um, I'm sure every Seinfeld fan would be aware and I'm assuming most of you have Netflix or have, have it available you can just jump on someone else's account. But so far, so good. So, yeah, I encourage you to watch it. Well, I tell you what, now I'm going to jump on Netflix on my phone and I'm going to add that to my uh, shortlist. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do yeah, that now before I, I forget. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll finish watching it tonight or tomorrow and we'll, we'll talk about it a bit more next week in more detail. Maybe we could do like a review 
or something. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd why be don't amazing. we do that? Yeah, that'd cool. be great. Why don't, we, why don't we release a little uh, side podcast similar to our interview with... Uh, with Matt McCoy. Matt McCoy. A.K.A. Lloyd Braun. A.K.A. Lloyd Braun, which was the uh, the B podcast to our 15th episode. Yeah, that sounds um, all right. How about we yeah, do that? Maybe, maybe we're in the yeah. studio next week. We'll do like a quick review. Yeah, sounds good, like a 10-minute review. Awesome. Yeah, great. That sounds wicked. Yeah, and if, uh, if you have any comments about it, um, if you've watched it already uh, when this comes out, uh, get in touch with us and we can have a good old yarn about it. Fantastic. Yeah, get in touch with us on socials and email and, uh, yeah, we can have a discussion about it. Yeah, sounds good. So the second bit of news is kind of pre- it precedes uh, the Jerry Before Seinfeld uh, special in a way. So over the last couple of weeks in New York City and L.A., there's been a bunch of billboards up um, and all they say, they're just plain white billboards that in black say Netflix is a joke. Um, and obviously, it's kind of viral marketing, got yeah. people talking online. Turned out that they were Netflix ads. And it was all a bit cryptic, uh, cryptic until uh, at the Emmys, which was over the weekend in America. Um, I believe, bef- I didn't see when it played at the Emmys, but I just read that at the Emmys at some point, uh, there was a Netflix ad. Um, and it was an ad for all the comedy specials coming out in September and October. Oh. One being Seinfeld special that right. we just talked about, Jerry Seinfeld. Yep. And the ad itself was pretty cool. So oh. it had Jerry Seinfeld, Ellen DeGeneres, Dave Chappelle, and Chris Rock all crash scenes from uh, really well-known Netflix shows like Stranger Things, Orange is the New Black, huh. uh, House of Cards, and The Crown, which I haven't seen. So, for example, um, in House of Cards, the president is giving one of his you know ominous speeches about power and legacy, yeah. and Jerry sort of slides in on the chair and you know adds a bit of comic relief. Um, <laughs> To sort of lighten the mood a bit. So he's kind of um, he's kind of superimposed in the uh, in in the video. Oh no no no! Is it's he? all it's all like they're in the actual sets. They're being filmed. Oh yeah, um, sure. Yeah yeah. So the you know the the point of the ads is to say Netflix is a joke. Is to say hey we've got all these comedy yeah. comedy specials coming up. Yeah. And obviously to sort of piggyback off well-known shows by incorporating the comedians who are getting their special into the into scenes from the shows. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, so it's, it's just, yeah, it's a cool little sort of ad campaign. Um, I think it's on YouTube. Um, you can jump on and have a look. It's pretty funny. goes for about a minute and a half. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, we might put that on now. I'll find it right now, and I'll put it on our Facebook page. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, while you're doing that, um, yeah. we'll stay on the Emmy. So the third bit of news is uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, the wonderful JLD, as uh, I will call her, she tied the record for the most amount of Emmy. Uh, sorry, she broke the record for the most Emmys won by a performer for a single role. Wow. Um, she, she won her sixth consecutive uh, Emmy for Veep. Isn't that fantastic? Oh, amazing. Just She's just so talented and so funny. Yeah, but she'll um, always be Elaine. That, that that yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think she'll be always be Elaine to most people. I mean, that's going to be her defining role, you know, like in, in any sort of obituary or, you know, uh, like legacy piece to her life. It's always That's going to be number one for sure. Yeah, of course, of course. But I think um, because yeah. she, she won an Emmy in 2006, I think the show that um, – I wasn't too sure what the show was, but I think it's The New Adventures of Old Christine. I think that was the name of the show. She won it yeah, before. It is. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I've never watched it. Um, I don't know much about it. Yeah, um, but I was doing this research. I did see that. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it was. I don't think it was very popular. I no. think it was more of a like the critics loved it. Obviously, if she won an Emmy for it, of course. But I don't think it got much of an audience, and I don't think it was around for a very long time. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and she won in '96 as well for Elaine. Um, and uh, from 2012 till this year, 2017, for her role as the vice president in Veep. And there's a lot of talk that she'll break the record for the most consecutive Emmys won uh, if she wins next year for the same role because uh, Veep's filming its final season next year. Of so, course. yeah, hopefully she does, and then she'll go down in the record books. Yeah. She, I mean, she has already, but she'll get another record. So Good for her. I hope it, I hope it happens. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the fourth bit of news is I found an article. Uh, it was on inkinc.com. Yep. Um, and it was uh, an interview with Jerry, actually. Um, and he talked a lot about uh, his what he called his formula for innovation. Um, you know, Jerry uh, Seinfeld was considered very innovative in the 90s, you know, sort of breaking the sitcom uh, I guess, model of, you know, wholesome families and learning lessons and story arcs and, you know, sort of characters. And, you know, Seinfeld was obviously like anti most of that. And he said that, you know, the five words that will lead to success, according to him, are asking yourself, what am I sick of? 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's how he actually came up in comedians and cars getting coffee. He wanted, he wanted, he liked the idea of a chat show, like a casual chat show where he just sort of hangs out and talks shit. Um, but he didn't like the, the, the typical format of a chat show, like, you know, Jimmy Fallon or David Letterman, where there's a couch and a studio audience and sort of small talk and it's a bit scripted and it's yeah. a bit cheesy. Yeah. So he asked himself, what am I sick of? I'm sick of that format, so I'll do something different. And he asked himself apparently the same question when, um, when, when he, you know, when he was coming up with the idea of, of Seinfeld back in the late eighties, early nineties. Cool. So yeah, I thought it was really interesting and he goes on, you know, about a lot of other stuff in the interview, but I thought that that was worth mentioning. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Well, that's why you're the you're the newsman for Bidwabask, so you are you're always on top of those things. That's it. Uh, so this one actually came from Jeffrey, our fan from the US. So yeah. thanks again, Jeffrey, for sending it through. Hey, Jeffrey. Um, yeah, how's it going? Uh, there's an article on <laughs> Cinema Blend, um, and it's called Seinfeld: The Cast Then and Now. Um, it talks a bit about the core four, um, kind of you know, like their characters on Seinfeld and what they've done since the show ended in 1998. Yeah. Um, I don't think we really need to talk about it because it's pretty pretty well known what they've done, and we've talked about it so much. Of course. Um, it also talks about a lot of secondary characters, which is pretty, um, you know, in our in our sort of field of interest, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it talks about about uh, Brian Cranston, who obviously plays uh, Dr. Tim uh, Watley. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Heitner, who played Ken, Kenny Banya. Yep. Um, Jerry Stiller, who plays Frank Costanza. Uh, Larry David, uh, who voiced George Steinbrenner and the first edition of Newman in a couple of episodes. That's right. Um, yeah, and it talks a lot about what what they've done since Seinfeld, which is really interesting. It's just got a paragraph on each actor. Really cool. And is it kind of what you expected? Like, was were there any that stood out and you thought, wow, they're actually doing that, or this is a bit different to what I thought? No, not really. I mean, you know, the, the most high-profile ones are obviously Brian Cranston and Jerry Stiller. I of think course. they had the most success after, after Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean... A lot of the stuff I hadn't heard of, like, say, Patrick Warburton, who played Putty, you know, I, I didn't really look into it too much. Um, it's more of just a sort of, it's almost like a where are they now type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, nothing really surprising. Nothing really jumped out at me. Um, yeah, but it was still interesting to read. Yeah. Yeah. It was all what you what you expected. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So thanks again for uh, sending that through, Jeffrey. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And if you have anything you'd like to send us... Uh, Jeffrey or other, or whoever, just uh, send it through. We'd love to get all as much information as we can, and uh, we understand we can't get all the news for all the uh, Seinfeld cast. But if you have something, even even for one of the actors or actresses who played a secondary character, we'd love to hear about them. You know, see what they're up to. That'd yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So the second last bit of news: there was an article through the week on uh, Entertainment Weekly, uh, and it was an interview uh, with Jason Alexander, mm-hmm. uh, and it talked about his belief in whether. Um, he thinks that he's suffered from what is called the Seinfeld curse, yeah. which is an idea or a term uh, that after Seinfeld, because the show was so monumentally successful and so career defining for the four of them, that after, you know, after the show ended, anything that they did um, professionally couldn't really live up to the show's success. Yeah. Um, you know, couldn't, they couldn't sort of reach those heights doing their own projects yeah and Jason um, Alexander had a few cracks at uh, at breaking the Seinfeld curse yeah he did um, I don't think it was really I mean if you believe in it if you believe it's a thing I don't think it was really broken um, until Veep really when you think about it I mean you know like Jason Alexander didn't really have any hits mm. um, you know Jerry stayed quiet for a long time but now, now um, there's a bit of a renaissance with Jerry now for the last year or so you know, he's, yeah, he's sure. done more, you know, Netflix specials and he came to Australia recently to, to tour and it's a bit of a renaissance in his career. For sure, yeah. I think coming up to 20 years, it's sort of, you know, it felt like the right time for him to come back and raise his profile again. Yeah. Um, and it's raised the profile for Seinfeld. And yeah. It feels like more people are talking about it just, you know, in everyday life as well because of it. Of course. And also for, for Michael Richards as well, obviously yeah. after the, the incident at the comedy club, you know, about 10, 15 years ago, that kind of set his career back a bit, and uh, he hasn't really sure. he hasn't really got any uh, any big role since, unfortunately. Um, no, I've, yeah. I've read a few things over the years that apparently that was kind of intentional, like he felt so shamed by it. Um, and yeah. if you've ever watched Apology, I think it's on David Letterman, it's, it's probably one of the most sincere apologies I've ever seen anyone do for any sort of mistake that they've made. And I think Jerry you know, was in the studio, wasn't he? Like, Jerry was actually... Sure. I think Jerry was on the show, and then I think... 
I think um, from my understanding is I think I watched it a while ago and then people were I think when he was apologizing people were like booing or you know they thought he was kidding or something and then Jerry reassured him saying no no he's being serious this isn't a joke you know he was yeah, trying to say oh look no, he's genuinely sorry he doesn't he's not trying to muck around yeah I haven't watched it in a long time but I do remember thinking yeah that, that was very sincere and heartfelt and I think he actually meant it um, I don't think he meant the sort of anti-Semitic comments he made. Yeah, um, and, and, and also racist, racist comments too. Yeah, I, th- I think he, yeah. yeah, I think he's still. Um, uh, I read somewhere that he still it still haunts him to this day. What he did. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I think that that's made him deliberately keep out of you know for the most part keep out of the limelight. Yeah, I mean he, he did he did do a parody of the scene on um, Curb Your Enthusiasm, mm. and I think he's had a couple of roles since, but nothing nothing major. Yeah, um, yeah. So I guess you know you could put that down to the Seinfeld curse in a way. But yeah, anyway, uh, Jason Alexander was asked in this interview, does he believe in it? And uh, he said he's never believed in it. Yeah. And it talks, and it sort of, you know, the, the interview was set up to talk about his new show, um, and it's called Hit the Road, um, and it's about a family where a guy named Ken, who's played by Jason Alexander, he's the show's patriarch, and he basically believes that his life should be bigger and better and more rewarding than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the the sort of the major storyline is that his higher aspirations, and he doesn't have any specific aspirations, just that his life should be bigger and better, you know, yeah, higher yeah. profile. Yeah. Um, and apparently it leads into Kramer's family. He's got a wife and four kids into a tour bus and travel the country um, in an unglamorous fashion, basically in the hopes of finding fame. So yeah. he just he just wants to travel around and try and get famous somehow. Yeah, and it's apparently it starts October 17. So yeah, I'm actually gonna check that out. It sounds good. Is that on Netflix? No, it's on a it's on a channel. I don't think we have it in Australia. I've never heard of it. It's called the Audience Network. Oh, okay. I think it's I think it's a cable channel in the states. Right, right. Or it might be yeah. on Stan or something. Maybe you know. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. yeah. They might they might license it to, to to Stan or something else? Or I'm sure you could you could find it somehow. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that was a pretty interesting article. It cool. talked, you know, cool. a bit about the, you know, what is what is tried and failed at between Seinfeld and this show. Um, and I think he's one of the major writers on this show, and that's the first time he's ever done that. So that's that should be cool. Yeah, that should be very good. Well, good luck, Jason, if, if you're listening. Yep. <laughs> hope you hope it all goes well for you. And uh, I think, yeah, Julia and uh, Jerry have already broken the curse. So I hope you're next. Oh, for sure. I hope I hope, yeah. I hope you, you pull through. Yeah, if, if anyone has broken the curse, it's definitely Julia, as we said before, seven, yeah. eight Emmys. Yeah, of course, but, yeah. Can't, can't go wrong. Know. Yeah. So the last bit of news, finally we're at the end. Oh, uh, yeah, good. <laughs> I'm pretty keen to get, get into the Puerto Rican day soon, so. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, so there was an article on CNBC, yeah. um, and, it, and it talked quickly to a guy named Ed Yardini, who's a, a, a like a investment specialist or like a financial specialist or something. And uh, during the week, he described, uh, even though currently America's stock market is te- uh, is technically a bull market, which means you know it's sl- slowly increasing, it's good for investors. Yeah. He he categorized it as a Seinfeld market, which we've actually mentioned once or maybe twice before in in old Seinfeld news. Oh yes, when when nothing um, happens, right? Yeah. So what it was, in- I found this interesting though, and I didn't think it was a repeat of what we've already sort of covered. The, the, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the S&P 500, and the NASDAQ, which are all sort of indexes for measure, measuring the, the health or the, the current sort of, I guess, state of the stock market. Last Wednesday, uh, the that was the 13th of September, right. they all closed record highs, mm-hmm. um, and they remain near those levels on Thursday session. But according to him, it's a Seinfeld market because it's good for investors, but nothing major is happening. It's just sort of you know, it's slowly growing, which is good. Yeah. But it's still very boring and undramatic. Like nothing, nothing is shaking it up. Yeah. So he, because of that, he described, you know, it's something is technically happening. It's growing, but nothing is happening because there's nothing newsworthy or, you know, there's no major scandals or, you know, companies falling or rising. It's just sort of this slow, boring progression upwards. So, yeah. He calls it a Seinfeld market, and I thought that was interesting. There we go. Well, it is a Seinfeld market, and we're living in a Seinfeld world, you and I. <laughs> yeah. And uh, speaking of Seinfeld, why don't we talk about the Puerto Rican day after this break? Yes, we shall. You're, you're on, but I don't want to be a secondary character. Stay with us. Come on, man. You need to lighten up. A feeling like this only happens once a year. Yeah, it's like this every day in Puerto Rico. Yeah, see, now you're getting the spirit of it, huh? <laughs> Oh, hey, there's a guy burning the Puerto Rican flag! 
and welcome back to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, a podcast about our much-beloved show, uh, Seinfeld, and its secondary characters. And uh, you're with Stephen. And I'm Arvin. Yeah, and uh, today we're talking about the Puerto Rican Day, the second-last-ever canonical episode of the uh, of the show. That's right. Yes, the Puerto Rican Day. So that was Season 9, Episode 20. And that was preceded by, or yeah, it was preceded by uh, the clip show part two, I believe. Was it part two? Yes, I think it was part two. Uh, and yeah, it was a two-part series finale, the finale parts one and two. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's considered by some to be a bit of a throwback to the sort of season two, three formula where uh, it's literally a show about nothing. You know, yeah. there's no sort of storyline. It's just them in a random place just dealing with whatever's happening, uh, you know, at the time. Yeah, exactly. A, a plot about nothing style uh, filmed in real time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, I think you'll get into a bit of a synopsis, Ivan. Oh, yes, I sure will. Uh, so, the Puerto Rican days are on their way back to the city. Elaine, George, Kramer and Jerry find themselves stuck in traffic owing to the Puerto Rican Day Parade. An impatient Elaine abandons them and tries to get a cab, but it's no faster. George gives up as well, hopping out of Jerry's car and going to a movie, but has an encounter with someone who has a laser pointer. Kramer and Jerry have a running encounter with someone in a maroon golf. And when, uh, when Kramer needs to find a restroom, a visit to an apartment as H.E. Pennypacker, he's back. <laughs> he vi- a visit to an apartment that's for sale seems to do the trick. Yeah. Um, so four sort of independent storylines. Uh, it kind of reminds me uh, of the Millennium, where there's four storylines and they all kind of like mesh at the end. At the end, way. Except, except Elaine's. Hers are sort of a bit separate. A bit separate, yeah. Um, well, she separates yeah. from the group. <laughs> yeah, she's, she doesn't want to spend any time in the traffic and it's, nothing really works out for her. Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. So the secondary characters in this one, uh, Mario Joyner, he played Lamar, so he's the guy in the Maroon Golf. Um, Dayton Kelly, he played the cabbie. Uh, James Karen was Mr. Canterman. I think he was one of the uh, one of the people Elaine tried to get out from under the bleachers, you know, to escape. Yep. Yep. Helen Carey played the real estate agent, Mrs. Nyhart. Uh, and Bob and Cedric, your buddies, they're back. <laughs> they came. They came back uh, for this episode. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah they did. And uh, the yep. guy who I wasn't sure which one was the laser pointed guy. I think he's sketch guy. Uh, is it? Would that would that be him? I think that was his credit, sketch guy. Uh, I didn't see that credit. I just credited him as laser pointer guy, but his name, his character name was actually Gary. Oh, Gary, played, Tom, played by Tom Agner. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's the one. Yep. Yes, that's it. And yeah. there, there were so many, many other secondary characters, it was ridiculous. That's right. There was a lot. And this was actually a suggestion, by, again, by Jeffrey. So thank you for suggesting it. It was, it was a fun episode to watch and do. Yeah, thanks, man. And also, this episode, yeah. it was directed by Andy Ackman, because this was the uh, the last episode to be uh, directed by Andy Ackman and written. This one was written by 10 writers. So all, basically all of them, except Larry David, um, when he left yeah. after season seven wrote this episode so it was written by and i'll read them out alec berg jennifer crittenden spike ferriston bruce eric kaplan greg cavett steve corin david mandel dan o'keefe andy robin and jeff schaefer and uh yeah originally aired on may 7th 1998 yeah and it was actually this uh the show's second highest rated episode of all time with uh, nearly 39 million viewers isn't that insane Uh, i know yeah i think Apparently, a lot of people thought that it would be the first part to a two-part finale yeah, or right. a storyline directly preceding it, kind of feeding into the finale, but it was its own thing. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm sure, I, I do remember actually, when I was about, I think, 13 or 14 at the time when uh, Seinfeld, uh, you know, finished up. I think I was in year nine. Yeah. And I remember all the hype about the show. Um, so I think, you know, just the hype as well made people tune in because it was the second last ever show. Of course. And um, it was a very controversial episode as well with uh, Kramer accidentally burning a uh, and stomping on a Puerto Rican flag and it caused offence uh, among the Puerto Rican community. They actually um, stopped it from airing on uh, NBC, was forced to apologise, and uh, it wasn't part of the initially part of the syndicated package. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, yeah. and apparently it caused it. Yeah, it sparked a bunch of angry letters and protests outside NBC's Rockefeller Center in New York. Of course. Um, yeah, and a bunch of complaints from the Puerto Rican community and a bunch of activists as well. Of course. Um, yeah, and NBC had to formally apologize for the uh, for the scene and for the episode. Yep. And it's not just the flag-burning scene either. It's uh, when I think it's just a portrayal of Puerto, of Puerto Ricans, Ricans in general. Just this angry mob of people. 
Yeah, and I think when when uh, Kramer later utters, it's like this every day in Puerto Rico. Yeah, exactly. So, it makes them look like savages. Yeah, yeah I, th- I can understand why they'd be a bit pissed off because it's not a very nice portrayal of of uh, of them as a as a culture and a country. Of course. And I've I've met some Puerto Ricans and they're lovely people. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, c- I can understand why you would feel a bit uh, a bit incensed. Uh, if that was the portrayal of your culture, yeah, of course, and uh, and and it was uh, in two thousand and two when the episode started to appear again with the flag burning sequence intact. So it took uh, you know about four years for it to uh, to come back uh, intact. Yeah, and on the DVDs you can watch the episode in full. Yeah, I I stream through Stan here in Australia. Likewise, um, yeah, yeah, which is a streaming service only available in Australia as far as I know, and uh, yeah, it's got it's got that scene intact. Yeah, so I think. Yeah, I think eventually, you know, it was sort of restored, you know, after the initial controversy sort of died down. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think yeah. people are like just, just, you know, even though it was a bit of a... I don't think it was... That particular scene, I don't think it was meant to be in bad taste. You know, I think it was just, you know, Kramer being silly, you know, <laughs> being a bit dopey and just, you know, not thinking. And then, yeah, uh, I mean, and then Cedric I, and Bob yeah. happened to be there. <laughs> wrong place at the wrong time yeah and he's no, like, it, was again. A, it was a good setup for them to be i think that was well written like to have them in the show um and it establishes that you know i'm guessing that bob is is uh is puerto rican bob yeah because he, yeah. he seems to take personal offense to it so i think it's only fair to, to assume that he must be puerto rican who is not wearing their ribbon that's from another episode <laughs> yeah that's from the um the the aids march yeah that's it that's it who isn't yeah, wearing, who's wearing, yeah, their wearing their ribbon yeah yeah awesome. yeah no you're right in that it wasn't the scene wasn't supposed to be an offensive scene towards puerto rican but i think puerto ricans but or puerto rico but just just an image of their flag burning i can understand why that would be you know upsetting to to people of course so, i'd understand you know, regardless of the intent just that image in and of itself can be can be um you know a bit triggering i guess of course of course yeah so Stephen, yeah. shall we talk about lamar aka yeah, golf yeah, definitely. He's the first sort of major secondary character. Well, he's really the first secondary character of the episode. Of course. So, yeah, so as um, as Ivan said, he's played by a guy named Mario Joyner, um, and he's uh, he's actually a stand-up comedian. He's best known for hosting uh, MTV's Half Hour Comedy Hour from 1988 to 1992. Yes, that's right. And actually watched, found a tiny bit of footage on YouTube of him hosting that, actually, and it's pretty funny. Oh, very funny indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I really like. Even though he's only in it for you know a short amount of time, I really liked his episode. Every time he appeared, uh, he makes me laugh. He makes a what? Sorry, he makes a. He makes he makes me laugh. Oh, it makes you laugh? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. his character. I liked I liked his character too. I reckon Lamar was a good one. He, yeah, he was very brief, but uh, no, I think he served the purpose really well. Yeah, I, I listened to Seinfeld uh, for this episode, and uh, I was, it might have been the post show recap. One of the Seinfeld podcasts out of America, and they kind of made a point, and I think it's a really good one. Of uh, he's sort of like he's kind of like the core four in a way, where they're you know they're these constant irritants in other people's lives, yeah, just by existing, you know, whether it's intentional or not. And he's sort of like that for them, like he's always got one up on over them, yeah. And uh, yeah. he's just this constant, like just this annoyance to them, <laughs> and he just sort of he just sort of like he just constantly berates them just because. You know, just to just to sort of annoy them. So I think I think I don't know if that was intentional, being the second last episode. Um, but in a way, it's kind of a build up to them getting their their comeuppance in the final episode. Their comeuppance, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like you know, we'll start off with just someone annoying them mildly in this circumstance, and then you know, the next episode they all go to prison for a year. Yeah. But I thought, yeah, I just I like the fact that you know they sort of they always seem to get away with being sort of shitty people, jerks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, not that not that Maroon Golf did anything horrible to them, or there was no lasting consequences. No, but you know, it was just nice to see someone else irritate them, as opposed to the other way around. The other way around, yeah, exactly. It's good. Yeah, and and it, yeah, and when when Jerry, you know, basically said like he pretended to throw his arms up in in um in humility. Yeah, and then he drives off. He actually says, "I didn't mean that." And he drives off. And then, you know, five minutes later, he winds up in the same spot. Exactly, because the cab which (laughs) Elaine's in cuts him off. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Nice, nice. So anyway, about Lamar. So uh, do you think, well, I think he's just a regular guy, probably with a regular job, you know, nothing too spectacular, I guess. Um, And I think he's just a typical, you know, aggressive, not aggressive, but, you know, if someone cuts him off or whatever, he's uh, he's pretty quick to react. uh, Yeah, I I think so. Um, I, I think he is... 
he's sort of he's unforgiving when people do what he sees is wrong by him on the road. But as soon as they show sort of humility or a, or, a, or an admission of guilt, he's you know he's quite forgiving. But as soon as they go back on that on that humility and pretend that they weren't uh, apologetic, or sorry, you know they reveal that they're unapologetic, yeah. his, uh, his his unforgiveness comes straight back. So he so shows think, mercy. He does, but he's also I think he's a very principled man. Yeah, you know he, he he sort of he makes sure that he's a constant irritant to prove his point. But when someone admits fault or admits guilt, he's like, okay, that's fine, and he you know lets them go. Yeah. But as as soon as they as soon as they dial that back. He's straight back onto his original point. I think he's a very impassioned. A very impassioned man. Yeah, for sure. Especially when it comes to, uh, I guess, you know, road etiquette. Yes. And I, lo- I love how, he co- how he's called Maroon Golf, and then he calls Jerry's car Black Sub. It's like, Black Sub, <laughs> yeah. we meet again. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and, and, then Jerry, and, then, yeah, and then Jerry's just like, Maroon Golf. <laughs> <laughs> Black Sub. Black what? Sub, Maroon Golf. For some reason, maybe it's because uh, the actor Mario Joyner is a stand-up comedian. Mm. But I thought maybe he is a character, you know, like Jerry's obviously a comedian who's sort of made it. And, you know, a Saab is, you know, I guess you could say in a way a luxury car. It's yes. sort of a European car. It is. Um, you know, they're not super cheap. Um, no. You know, and he, and he does drive better cars in, you know, sort of BMWs and stuff in previous episodes. Yes. You know, whereas the Maroon Golf is sort of a, you know, an older, cheaper car, four-cylinder, cheaper on the petrol. Yeah. And I was thinking maybe he's a stand-up comedian trying to make it in New York. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that could work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, thought, and I thought maybe he sets himself up in these situations so he can get material for his live set. You know, I mean, because you could get a lot of, if, if that happened in real life, if you kept on running into a black Saab, that you know, that would be material for a lot of good jokes in his sets. And then, and then he sets up his own spin-off show called Lamar. Yeah, exactly. Lamar. Called Lamar. What's the yeah. deal? What's the, what's the deal with guys in black sides cutting you off in Puerto Rican? Day? Yeah, I reckon it'd be a bit more like a bit more profane and a bit more edgy though than yeah. Seinfeld. Yeah, then Jerry. Yeah, Jerry. Jerry's just very, very clean. Yeah, he's very sort of safe and sort of like G-rated. I reckon Lamar would be a bit more edgy and probably use profanity and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so you reckon he's yep. a, he's a, he's an upcoming stand-up comedian? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, or he's in the entertainment field somehow. Somewhere, yeah, and he's he's you know he's on the way, but he still hasn't quite made it yet. He still hasn't cracked you know that level of of you know high paying, high profile jobs. But he's he's getting there. Yeah, no, he's got the talent. Yeah. He just hasn't gotten the opportunity yet. Yeah, no, I think he's pretty well cast. You know. Yeah, I liked him a lot. Yeah, sure. me too. No, he was a good. I reckon he was the best one in in the episode, the best secondary. Yeah, and um, I guess the next secondary character, uh, also someone who drives the car, is the cabbie. The cabbie, played, uh, played by, uh, by Dayton. I was going to say Dayton Kelly, and uh, he was uh, he was actually in Sons of Anarchy. Uh, and I've just realised because I, I watched Sons of Anarchy, and he plays like a corrupt police chief who's uh, who yeah gets... Wayne, Wayne Unser. Is yeah, because I, I, I saw him in this episode, and then I looked at his IMDb page, and I'm like, because I saw him, and I thought that he looks familiar. What's he in? And then I saw I, I saw he was in Sons of Anarchy. I'm like, oh shit, he's the he's the chief. Holy shit! Yeah, that's I, him. I've only seen the first and second seasons of Sons of Anarchy, and I can't remember him. But yeah. I do. I, I do remember his face from other things. I can't recall, but I have seen him before. He is in uh, he's in Deadwood as well, and uh, he was in Halloween too. Okay. Yes. So he's been uh, he's right. been in quite a few things, and he was uh, he's currently in Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, he's been in thirteen episodes of that uh, so okay. is, far. Do you mean the, Do you mean the Walking Dead? Oh no, there's like a, a spin-off epi- um, show now called Fear the Walking Dead. But it's based. Oh. It's it's in the same universe. But I think it's like oh, a different okay. a different set of survivors. I've never, I've never even seen The Walking Dead, so I wouldn't know. I've seen the first couple of seasons and I enjoyed them, but then I felt like it went downhill. But I've heard since like season five or six, it's gotten better. But I just I don't know. Just three or four, I didn't like at all. The seasons were okay. just, I don't know. I just didn't like them. I think I was just off zombies because in the last five or ten years, the internet seems to have created this zombie craze of just zombie everything, and yeah. it kind of put me off. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, so I reckon, uh, you know, he's credited as Cabby, so well, I guess we'll call him Cabby. Yeah. I straight away I thought he's a lifelong New York Cabby. He's yeah. just he seems disgruntled and just pissed off and over it. <laughs> yeah, he's no, um, he's yeah, but he's no Travis Bickle though. He's not, he's not insane. You know, taxi driver. No, 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 no <laughs> definitely. He's just sort of, he's just sort of like cynical and no nonsense. And I reckon, I reckon as well that he's seen some pretty wild stuff in the back of his cab. Oh yeah. Especially in New York. Yeah, he's seen it all. And, uh, you know, three or four things I thought that he's probably seen, you know, he's probably picked up stockbrokers late at night snorting coke off the back of the seat. Um, (laughs) Or from their mistress's breasts. 
Yep. Yep. Whatever. Or, you know, from from hookers from hookers' bodies, various body parts. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, probably be seeing people having sex in the back of his cab. Yeah. And I reckon even at some point, if we're going to stick to like the New York City cliches, I reckon he's even seen. Uh, you know, he's even transported victims or mafia members who've been stabbed or shot to like the hospital. You know, they've piled into the back of the cab and they've said, "Go to the hospital." Go to the hospital. And had rush. You know, and they've thrown him a bunch of cash and said, "You know, keep your mouth shut." Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Actually, you know what? One thing I noticed, you know, speaking of that throwing cash, I noticed Elaine just keeps giving him bills, you know, like, and then, like, he drives off. And I think, you notice how he doesn't, he doesn't just dart off, you know? I think he, he sees that Elaine, you know, he comments that Elaine, you know, makes money and she's on good money and stuff. I think, you know, he's very savvy with the way traffic works and everything. And I think he's one of those people who maybe tries to milk you. Like, if he knows you've got money, he'll try and milk you, you know? So he kind of, he gets Elaine's, you know, Elaine just pays him for the first fare and then she gets out and starts walking. And then, you notice the cabbie doesn't just drive off. He just kind of like slowly drives, drives. Yeah. And then Elaine's like, oh, wait, 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 wait. And then jumps in and then... You know, he realizes yeah, he's, like, he's really he's really savvy. You know, he can really tell the people who've got money. You know, he can tell what they're like. And then he drops them another bill. And then she gets out and walks. And then he just starts driving off, but not not darting off, but just slowly, slowly, slowly. And then you know, I think I think uh, he just tries to. If he knows you've got money, he'll try and uh, milk it. Is that the okay. vibe you got? Yeah. I, well, I I didn't think of that, but now that you say that, and remembering him slowly driving off, not. Not to sort of get away, but to sort of like tease them in a way. Tease them, yeah, uh, that's it. Yeah, he, yeah, I think you're, you're dead on with that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That was just a, a thing that I thought of, you know, with him. I couldn't yeah. really get too much more out of him, in but in the fact that you know he he obviously is judgmental of people, and you know if he knows you you earn more than him or you've got a more esteemed job than he does, he'll uh, yeah he'll try and take advantage of it for sure. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I, and I reckon that maybe is due to him being a cabbie for life, and you know, cab drivers unfortunately don't get have never really been highly paid, especially in America. And I'm not, I'm not um, saying all cabbies are dodgy. You know, most of them are good. It's no, just, no, 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 no. Yeah. Not trying to put cabbies in a box, but of course not. You know, like compared to say an editor like Elaine or a comedian like like Jerry or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, cab drivers. I think it's fair to say, you know, it's a it's a lower paying job. Of course. Um, yeah, and I think you know he's probably transported around a lot of privileged rich people in New York, and he's just seen a lot of opulence. And you know, I can understand why he'd be a bit jaded or over it after yeah. years and years and years of, of being a cabbie. One other thing I thought about it uh, about him as well is that he kind of reminded me of the London cabbies who I'm not sure if you've seen before they pass their uh, cab driving exam, they have to take this rigorous test. Oh, um, the black cats. The black cats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To know, you know, like London is such a complicated city. It's even more complicated than New York in terms of, um, you know, streets and size. And it's not like a grid like New York. It's just like this spider web of streets, you know, so it's hard to memorize. Um, and I reckon that he would know New York streets as well as those black cab drivers would know London. Of just course. from Just from you know, from 30, 40, 50 years as a driver. Yeah, of course. And you can tell as well, because remember how Jerry was trying to go up the one-way street, but in the wrong direction, and he gets blocked by Maroon Golf, and uh, the cabbie comes from the one-way streets. Obviously, he knows all the back streets and the side streets, and, you know, he knew a way to, to get around. But unfortunately, ironically, Jerry blocked the cabbie, which <laughs> yeah, Elaine exactly. was driving in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I love the irony of that. She gets out to get in a hurry, but it actually blocks her because... Jerry takes the wrong. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Some, that's some good writing. Yeah. Very good writing. Yeah. That's all I had yeah. on him, really. Yeah. Same. I think the next guy I should probably talk about uh, is the laser pointer guy who's credited as Gary. Uh, no Gary. surname. Um, no surname. Yeah, played like by Tom Agner. Yeah. That's right. And he's not much of an actor. He's more a writer and a producer. Yeah. Known um, for uh, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, Weekends at the DL, and The Chris Rock Show. Yeah. A lot of sort of like 90s and early 2000s comedies. Yes, and he actually won an Emmy. Uh, he won it for the Chris Rock Show uh, for outstanding writing for a variety of music program, and he shared it with several other writers, at least ten or twelve of them. Okay, I've never seen the Chris Rock Show. I'm not much of a fan of him. Must but, have been um, a must have yeah. been a short lived short lived thing. Yeah, I'm guessing it was like sort of like the Dave Chappelle Show, probably like a skit show or something. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think the laser pointer guy, I think, he's a bit of a dick. <laughs> a bit of a dick. I think he's a funny man. You know, if he. You know, I think he's one of those guys who just plays practical jokes on people. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. just, he just like, but, but you know, he can really, I think he's one of those people where you know how, you know, they play practical jokes and they know their limits. I think this guy, he doesn't know limits. I just think he just keeps doing it. Yeah. And one yeah, day he hasn't, he hasn't, ha he hasn't been punched in the face, you know, by, by laser pointing or lasering the, uh, the wrong guy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> 
you know, he hasn't suffered the consequences of his actions yet. Yeah, definitely. It kind of reminded me of, um, you know, there's a lot of pranksters who've gotten famous on YouTube for their for their prank videos. Yeah. Um, you know, and most of the time it's just sort of like harmless pranks where they make people look a bit silly on a hidden camera. Yeah. But sometimes, it, you know, it's like a physical prank or they might insult someone. And then there's actually videos and compilations of those pranksters getting their clock cleaned. Yes. Uh, their clock cleaned by, you know, by people who don't appreciate the joke. Yeah. And, yeah, I think you're right. Like it hasn't – even though it goes too far – he doesn't know, uh, you know, he hasn't got any limits yet because no one's set one for him by punching yeah. him in the, in the face. Oh, no, you just, yeah, I, I just think he, he's always been like a prankster. And uh, I bet you if YouTube yep. was around, he'd have his own channel, <laughs> you know. For he'd sure. probably have a few million subscribers watching his work. And, uh, yeah, he'd be doing yeah. that. And he'd be doing that to people in the public, getting reactions. Yeah. And I, I got the impression as well. I think I agree with George and that is just a prop comic. And, you know, I didn't, he was very defensive about, you know, the, the source of his comedy. It's not, it's not the laser pointer. It's him. He's funny. The, the laser pointer isn't funny, but. That's got to hurt. Yeah. If you could just give me a window, it? just a window, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think. I think he thinks that he's hilarious, but maybe he's not that funny because he, he sort of he has a real vendetta against George. Yeah. When um when George just sort of calls him out and calls him just a prop comic and that he's not that funny. Yeah. Because he sort of he just, he harasses him. Yeah. You know he chases him down on the street and is always pointing his laser in his eyes. <laughs> and um and I noticed oh this has just got a day off and it's coincidence he seems to have a lot of time on his hands. Oh, who does the uh, the laser pointer guy? The, yeah, like just the fact that he's like in cinemas and um, you know he's out on the street. Like, I mean, because the the episodes that are set out over a whole day. That's right. Yeah, and he's just he's got a whole day just to harass some stranger with a laser pointer. Yeah. Just seems like you know maybe he doesn't have a job or something. Oh, maybe it was his RDO. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know. He just you know on an RDO, I can think of a lot of other things to do. Oh, but then all. again, then again, Elaine said it was Sunday night because she was gonna go home and watch sixty minutes. So maybe that's it was true. just like yeah, the weekend. He you know he works five days a week, and uh, maybe it was his day off. Maybe that's his Sunday wind down. You know, Elaine <laughs> watches sixty minutes, and he annoys people by he annoys people. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> oh, everyone, everyone has their own vices. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I noticed as well. He really likes candy because he he spends a bit of time at the um at the at the confectionery stand at the movies. He's a bit like Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> no, nice. I'm sure he would have ordered Juji fruits and junior mints. Yes, yes, and Probably that's two. Yeah. yeah, and those two ladies next to George in the cinema seem to be impressed by the laser guy. You know, they're like, yeah, "Oh, look so, at the lasers on the bald guy." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've I've actually got a bit of information about them. Actually, ah, oh, um, yeah, they're credited Lucy and Ellis, um, and they're played by Alison Martin and. Uh, I think it's Marcy Hirschfield, respectively. Okay. Yep. And the, I had a few things about them. I reckon they're they're best friends. They're really old friends. They seem pretty unpretentious because you know they they make those really obvious comments about how humor is a lot more uh, important than looks when it comes to what they find attractive in a in a in a partner. Sure. Um, but you know they turn out to be a bit mean though because they laugh laugh at George's misfortune being yeah. uh, laser pointed. Yeah, they laugh. They laugh is misfortune, and uh, I guess Jerry kind of—well, not Jerry, but uh, what do you call him? George kind of deserves it anyway, you know, because he is a bit of a dick in the cinema. I, I don't feel sorry for George, but no. you know, they don't know George, so to laugh at a stranger is pretty mean. But bit, yeah, bit if rough, they knew yeah. George, you know, he deserves it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think yeah. he, he doesn't. He brag about you know, doesn't he brag about seeing the movie or, or something in front of them, and, and they're not impressed or something? Uh, I think so. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. I, yeah. I watched it yesterday, but I forgot about yeah. that scene. Yeah, I watched it today. I only watched this episode twice yeah. before we did this. Yeah. The other the other woman that we should probably talk about is uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Nyhart or Christine Nyhart, as she's credited. She's the uh, real estate agent. That's right. She's played by Helen Carey, and uh, I don't think any relation to, to Drew. And Carrie, <laughs> she's got the same last name. Uh, she's an actress known for One Life yeah. to Live, Julie and Julia, and uh, Twenty One. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so I reckon she only deals in high-end real estate. Yeah. She's a real estate agent, and she probably started out just on you know condos and you know houses and apartments, and she moved her way up to to high-end real estate. Yes, and uh, she clearly uh, serves clients such as H.E. Pennypacker. <laughs> yeah, I reckon American industrialists. 
And bicyclists, I reckon they're a regular clientele. As well, and also Jerry's alias, Kel <laughs> Vanson, and uh, George's alias, Art Vandelay. Isn't it funny That's how right. all their aliases just come together? In That's it, yeah, scene? I thought that was really nice, actually. And I loved, I loved how they how they introduced themselves to each other, you know, <laughs> yeah. how, how it's like Vandelay, Vanson, Penny Facker, Vanson, <laughs> Penny yeah. Facker, Vandelay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the H.E. Pennypacker scenes and just the scenes in the apartment were probably my favourite. Some of Kramer's lines had me in stitches when um yeah. when uh, Nyhart goes, did the agency send you over? And he's like, uh, most likely. Uh, most likely. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know what she's talking about, so he just sort of covers by saying, uh, most likely. Well, he's like, I'm, an, I'm a wealthy American industrialist and bicyclist. Yeah, bicyclist. Where can I find the bathroom? Oh, but there's there's four bathrooms. Uh, which one would be yes, the, which one would be the nearest one? <laughs> yeah, which one would be the very nearest? One? The very nearest one. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. The other things that I had about her as well is that it it seemed weird to me that. You know, like if you were her and these three strangers came in who were pretending to know each other. Yeah. It's pretty obvious that it's all fake and it's all a bit silly and weird. But she kind of like puts up with that situation. I think anyone else would say, what are you three idiots doing here? Get like, go away. Like you're wasting my time. Mm. But, you know, but she sort of puts up with it. And I don't think she's sure whether it's, you know, whether they're all taking the piss or whether they're all real. Or I just I think she's very confused. Yeah. That made me think that maybe at the moment, uh, sorry, at that time in her professional career, she was going through a bit of a rough patch. Yes. And she didn't take a risk on kicking them out in case they were sort of, you know, quote unquote, real people, um, you know, because she maybe hadn't gotten much commission or many sales lately. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I think I think uh, I actually looked into what the the real estate market was doing in the late 90s in New York and apparently booming especially high-end real estate it was just being brought up like oh, of course yeah yeah, yeah. Well, this uh, was during the uh, the dot-com boom as well so a lot of uh, tech entrepreneurs were uh, getting rich around that time as well yeah probably so, buying up real estate for sure yeah so i think i think that would have added a level of stress seeing her colleagues do really well but you know for some reason she just wasn't closing the deals so she you know in case she was giving up an opportunity i think she was putting up with three obvious sort of idiots who may yeah. have been completely uh, you know fake yeah. <laughs> all they needed to do was just use the toilet and watch the Mets game. That's all they wanted. Yeah, because they left early. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I like it when she's trying to sell Jerry the apartment and he's trying to feign interest, but he's really only caring about the Mets. About the Mets, <laughs> I know. It's a pretty good yeah. trick. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I liked her character. So yeah, I think yeah. Um, I think she's uh, very patient if she puts up with those three idiots. Yeah, I know she's a saint. The patient she has the patience of a saint. So, indeed. Yeah. Um, the other characters I think worth mentioning are obviously Bob and Cedric, uh, yeah. the street offs. Yep, they were played by Yul Vasquez and John Paragon, uh, respectively. And it was their um, third and final appearance on Sunfield. That's right, yeah. So we actually covered them quite a bit in our very first ever episode, which was on the Soup Nazi, which Thanks. was also their first appearance. So we won't really go too much into them on this one. No, um, but be sure to subscribe and uh, and listen to that episode, and if you can, all our other, other 24 episodes that we've done. Yeah, hmm. yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, the only other thing, or the only thing that I wanted to add to what we already discussed in episode one was that they seem to have gotten more violent. Yes. Um, you know, like in, in, in the Super Nazi, it's, it's kind of like a threat of violence. Yes. Whereas in this one, they start chasing them straight away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not, it's, it's less threat, more action. Yeah, I but, they, but they were violent when it was the, uh, the AIDS march as well. You know, they were saying, yeah, who was not true. wearing that's their true. ribbon? Yeah, yeah. No, and that's then, true. That's yeah, true. They, they grab Kramer from the ladder, I think, or they, or, or something. Kramer tries to escape, and they they get him. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. It was probably like an arc of violence, and this is probably their most violent. Or yeah. you know, like there's there's less time between when they make a threat and when they actually take action. Yeah. In this episode, in the last two, and then they and, trash pull Jerry's you know, car and they throw it uh, throw it down a stairwell. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> in outdoor stairwell. Like, yeah, I mean that would get them put in jail for years if they got caught. Like, oh, that's, of course. That's that's you know they could be charged with inciting a riot or something yeah um and but then i was thinking why would they get more violent and uh, you know maybe because if we assume that at least bob is puerto rican um you know obviously a flag burning would be pretty pretty uh pretty personal towards him so it would make him more angry than normal so we could establish that bob is puerto rican then well i think i think bob i'm I'm assuming that bob is you know the main guy like the younger looking guy with the slick backed hair i think that's bob i think that's bob yeah yeah and cedric is like the you know the sort of older looking guy the white guy yeah i'm pretty sure that's him yep yeah and i i think it's safe to assume that bob looks 
you know, like no one looks typically the like the country they're from, but you know, Bob, if I have to, based on my experience, Bob looks more Puerto Rican than Cedric does. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's why I'm assuming. And he reacts so passionately when, mm. when, uh, you know, when, when Crane is burning the flag, it made me think that he must be Puerto Rican. Yeah. I'd say so too. And that's like the that's ultimate, something. that's the ultimate insult. Exactly. You know, yeah. like that's pretty personal. And, you know, or at least part Puerto Rican or some connection to Puerto Rico for sure. Of course, of course. And and besides them, there's just so many other secondary characters as well, you know. There, there's that whole band of people that Elaine tries to, uh, you know, they try escaping the, the parade, the main parade on the main street. They try and go under the bleachers to get out, but yeah. there's a dead end, yeah, there's like a brick wall. There, there's all of them, but I, I don't know. I guess, I guess I could say collectively about them, they're just all people who, you know, they, they don't want to be part of the parade and they just want to go home. Yeah, That's all I, I can I just, really say. I just call them a bunch of sheep. Like they'll blindly follow anyone. Yeah. I, I don't think that a, I think, I think the only notes that, that I had uh, on anyone specifically as part of that crowd was the priest. Yeah. Um, and he's credited as father. Yeah. Um, I think he was, I think he was, you know, before Elaine came along um, and they saw her sort of as their savior. Uh, I think, I think he was nominated as the leader just because he's a priest, you know, oh, that's sort of like position, that's sort of a position of power and wisdom in a way, Yeah. you know, and he was a reluctant leader and they only made him that, that position because, because of, you know, his sort of his, his profession, not because of any personality or skills. I don't think he's a natural leader. Yeah. When Elaine came along, he he gave it up quite happily. Yes, even though well, Elaine left <laughs> Exactly. Well, funny thing is, a uh, funny thing is, Stephen. Uh, you know, the scene where Elaine becomes a leader of a group of distressed people wanting to go home. It's actually a send up of the 1972 disaster film, The Poseidon Adventure. And uh, oh, okay. Elaine Elaine plays well. She parodies Gene Hackman's character, who leads a whole bunch of people to safety, and they include a priest. Um, and they include a detective, a former prostitute, a Jewish store owner, and um, a, yeah, different different kind of people. So uh, it was it was basically a send up of that film. Oh, okay. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and apparently the priest, uh, uh, from what my understanding is, the priest is one of the people who says, "I can't go on." And it's like, no, we're okay. almost there. You can make it. You know. And I think I think it's the priest that that struggles. Yeah. So it's basically a send up of right. uh, of that film. Okay, I yeah. haven't seen that film. I don't know anything. About that. No, I haven't okay. seen it either. But go. no, I, I read about that, and apparently they, they claim it's a it's a parody of, of the Poseidon Adventure from right. the seventies. Okay. Yeah. So okay. uh, well, that that was everything I had about secondary characters. Do you have anything else? No, that was all. No, I think there was uh, we, we we breezed through them quite a, quite quite quickly. We did. There were so many. Yeah, so many, and uh, it depends. We've had so many secondary characters, but uh, when we come back after this break, we'll find out if any of them have made Stephen or my top ten secondary characters, and uh, we'll let you know where the Puerto Rican Day sits in our episodes overall. Indeed. We'll be back. Hello, folks. Matt McCoy here, a.k.a. Lloyd Braun from Seinfeld. And I'm telling you right now, I do not want to be a secondary character. This is a lovely apartment. Lovely. Kids are going to go crazy. <laughs> I, uh, I wonder if I could see the bathrooms. <clears throat> Preferably one with some paint thinner and uh, some rags. It's down the hall. Oh, Hello. Art. Mr. Vandalay, of course. You two know each other? Mr. Pennypacker. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, I wanted to uh, stop by and make sure that my shark tank fits him. Uh, hello. Mr. Pennypacker, this is Mr. Vandalay, and you know Mr. Varnson. Uh, Varnson. Pennypacker. Vandalay. Pennypacker. Varnson. Vandalay. Welcome back to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, a Seinfeld podcast about the minor and secondary characters of our beloved show. And today it was all about the Puerto Rican Day, and we've just wrapped up a lot of secondary characters. <laughs> so there were quite a few, but we predominantly spoke about uh, three or four of them. Um, and yeah, but that, and we're going to tell you, well, every week, Stephen and I, he's my buddy Stephen. Stephen's on the other line. Hey. Hey. And, uh, yeah, we usually give you our top ten secondary characters, and uh, we'll find out if any Puerto Rican Day ones have made it, and uh, we'll tell you where the episode fit in in our 21 episodes we have reviewed so far. Yep, that's it. So I'll start with my uh, top ten list. Yes. Uh, so this week, uh, no characters from this episode made it into my top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but Maroon Golf, if I if the list was top 20 or top 15, Maroon Golf would come in at number 11. So oh, just shy. Just shy. Yeah, now Maroon Golf was pretty close to my top ten as well, but uh, just missed the cut as well. Okay, yeah. And my my top ten are quickly uh, Sid Fields from our second ever episode, The Old Man. Uh, both of George's parents from our tenth ever episode, What's the Deal with the Seinfeld Parents? Uh, Harold and Manny from the uh, eighth episode we ever did, The Apartment. 
Yep. Susan Ross, um, George's uh, late fiance. Sue Ellen Mishke, who we did last week, our fifth ever What's the Deal with. Um, Celia from our episode, our 16th episode, The Merv Griffin Show. The record store owner from our second ever episode, again, The Old Man, Jane. Uh, George's episode girlfriend from our 19th episode, our second from season two. Um, oh, sorry, our first from season two. Yes, uh, that's Hampton. right. That's right. I was yeah. going to say it was, it was our uh, season two, episode one, yeah. Yeah, and I should correct what I said before. Technically, uh, I, oh, I said that no characters from this episode made the top ten, but obviously Bob and Cedric and Street Toughs are in this episode, but um, I guess we'd put them back into our first ever episode, The Soup Nazi. That's it. Um, yeah, so they're my second favorite ever secondary character. I treat them as one, and number one is uh, Elaine's dad, Alton Bennis, again from our 10th ever episode, What's the Deal with the Seinfeld Parents? Very good. Well, I, I don't want to mention my top 10 this week, because if you listened to our episode last week, uh, What's the Deal with Sue Ellen Mishki, uh, I think I mentioned my top 10 in that one. And if not, the okay. previous episode, I mentioned them. So, yeah, go back and listen to our last one or two, and uh, we should go skip right to the last 15 minutes or so, and uh, you'll you'll hear my top 10 they haven't changed cool. yeah okay but maroon Ford, maroon uh, golf rather was really close really really close yeah i like him i think i think i just like the fact that he was sort of an irritant to four very irritating people that's it and you said it was a precursor to uh the seinfeld cast being punished for everything they've done yeah it was sort of like an entree of punishment of course so from being uh, cut off in traffic to uh, going to jail quite a difference yeah i mean that's a pretty that's a pretty big jump but you know they they yeah it sort of ramped up a bit yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> so Stephen, not including the what's the deal with episodes we've been doing including last week's uh we've reviewed 21 episodes and their secondary characters so out of 21 where does the puerto rican day sit in your top 21 uh it comes in at number 19 number 19 uh, same for me same for me as well okay yeah so my bottom three in order from 21 to 19 are the heart attack uh, the Soup Nazi, our first ever episode, and the Puerto Rican Day. Uh, yep. Number one, or sorry, I should say top three. So top three, um, I seem to have a thing for the older episodes. So number three is the Pony Remark. Yes. Number two is the Baby Shower. And one is still the Stakeout, which I believe has been number one from, from when we reviewed it. Since we um, did it, yeah, in season one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I, I agree with a lot of the criticism of the Puerto Rican Day. It felt a bit like it didn't feel very cohesive. Yeah, I felt it, it was a bit disjointed. Like you know? Yeah, and they were just like I like the idea of them going back to like an old formula of them being out of their normal sets, you know, out of the apartment, out of monks, um, you know, even out of uh, I guess. Well, it was there were a lot of street scenes, but you know, a lot of it wasn't very familiar, which I appreciated. But yeah. it just it was just it was too many sets. Yeah, and it just wasn't cohesive. And I think I was saying to you before we started recording, if they got rid of some of the scenes and extended some of the, say, the, the traffic scenes or the scenes in the apartment, yeah, I think it would have been a bit better. A bit better, yeah. I think they just try to put too much in the pot because you know they, they had over ten writers for this episode, so I think too many cooks spoil the broth, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was just like yeah, it was just too many ideas that were tried to be, you know, that. They tried to cram into one episode, and you can only get so much. Like twenty-two minutes is a lot, in you know, in the context of of sitcom jokes. But you know, it 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 almost feels like a Family Guy episode where it's just it's just like there's so much crammed in there. It yeah. feels a bit overwhelmed. Yeah, of course. But I did like Stephen. Yeah. I loved how you know it was a throwback to like the parking garage and the Chinese restaurant and those kind of out of the apartment episodes, you know, the plot's about nothing. I loved when they cut to the exterior of Jerry's building and then they cut to the interior, like, to, to his apartment, but nothing, there was no one there, nothing was happening. And then, like, five seconds later, it cuts back to the normal episode. You know, it just goes to show yeah. that, you know, it just, yeah, it was just basically saying, hey, guys, it was, it was very self-aware, this episode. It was like, hey, guys, we're just doing a throwback to older episodes and it's not in the apartment. Yeah. Just letting you know. It definitely felt like it was in line with sort of season nine where every episode was a bit, well, not every, but a lot of episodes were a bit of a mini experiment. Yes. Where they just threw writing conventions and sitcom conventions to the wind and just sort of did their own thing. Yeah. And yeah, it felt very in line with that self-awareness that they that they had, you yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, I think the only other, from memory, the only other sort of like super self-aware meta moment was, you know, when they wrote Jerry, which was a sitcom about... About like Seinfeld, Seinfeld. yeah, so, exactly, in season four, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, you can't get much more meta than that, but I think this is, you know, this is up there with their own self-awareness. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, of course, of course. Very self-aware, but yeah, no, certainly not the worst episode of Seinfeld I've ever seen, but uh, yeah, I just, I don't know, I just, I felt it was really disjointed, you know? Yeah, it felt... It kind of felt, in a way, like bipolar for me. The strong parts were really good. Yeah. Um, 
really liked the scenes in the apartment, as I said. Um, anything with H.E. Penny Packer is, oh, you know, yeah. a huge tick. He's a gun. Um, yeah, love him. I liked Marine Golf, but oh, there just seemed to be a lot of filler, and I didn't really like his opinion. that whole story with George. I don't yeah. know. It, I just didn't laugh that. I didn't like it that much. No, that's right. I enough. think it would have been cool if it was just one scene. Yeah. But it just, I don't know. It just, they used on that. They used that too much. And yeah. yeah. Just didn't work. No. Yeah. So what are your. I've mentioned my bottom three and top three episodes. What are yours? Oh, yeah, so my bottom three. So number 21 is the stakeout. Uh, Number 20 is the heart attack. And number 19 is the Puerto Rican day. My top three... Oh, I just had them for a second. (laughs) I kind of lost them. uh, Number one... I'll go from number one. Number one is the outing, of course. It's one of my favorite episodes of all time um unlike you Stephen, where you you rank them by the secondary characters and how good they are i rank them as the episode overall how good it is okay. so uh number one for me is the outing number two is the puffy shirt number three is the soup nazi okay so yeah puerto rican day is nowhere near those <laughs> nowhere near them and if you want to listen to uh our full top 10 episodes uh um, well, sorry, our top 21 episodes. Well, our top episodes. <laughs> As in the podcast episodes. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's right. Listen to the last uh, few podcasts and they're all there. Of course, including our What's the Deal With, which we do every fifth episode for. Indeed. Now, Stephen, you've had a Seinfeld in this week. Yes. What happened? Yeah, after a couple of weeks of nothing, something finally happened. So not a big one, but uh, it's nice to have something happen. So today I listened to a podcast. Um, and I think I've talked about it before. It's a podcast called Laser Time, and it's just a bunch of guys who talk about pop culture. In every episode, they pick a topic, um, and they talk about it. So uh, about two months ago, they picked a topic of um, uh, sitcom and TV show themes, uh, TV shows that have changed their music. And Seinfeld was in there because if you watch the first episode, the very first episode of Seinfeld, the theme music is totally different to the famous sort of like bass popping Yep. Uh, music that well that is actually at the start of our podcast and the start of seinfeld Um, yeah that's the (laughs) yeah so the theme of this episode was actually uh it was kind of similar but instead of theme music that changed uh over time it was actually major differences between tv show pilots and you know the uh the series that would eventuate yeah um you know like so character differences plot differences setting differences and they talked about a lot of shows, a lot of animated shows, and they actually mentioned Seinfeld. Of course. Didn't um, that change since the pilot? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, most of the things are the same. Like, it's the same sort of apartment. Like, there are some cosmetic differences, but nothing much is different. Like, Monks looks a bit different. Yeah. Um, but the major difference they mentioned were uh, the fact that Elaine's not in the pilot. No, it's that waitress. Um, and Pauline, the, the waitress, I, think. I can't remember. I think, I think it was Pauline. Okay. Yeah, or similar okay. name. Yeah. yeah, and he initially was being considered to be sort of a, a major secondary character. Yeah. Um, and also Kramer's name being Kessler. That's it. Um, which Jerry calls him Kessler in the in the first episode. Um, and they also mentioned the fact that Newman, even though Newman didn't make an appearance in the first episode, he you know he was recast. Uh, he was initially voiced by um, by Larry David. Yeah. Um, and then he was uh, cast by Wayne Knight, which we talk about actually in our fourth ever What's to Deal With episode, uh, What's to Deal With Newman episode 20. That's correct, um, yes. We, we do an in-depth analysis of Newman and Wayne Knight. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they talk about the major changes that happened between the pilot and sort of from, I guess, episode two all the way through to uh, the last episode. So, yeah, I thought that was worth mentioning, and they go into a bit of detail about some other shows too. So, yeah, pretty cool. Cool, I'll have to check that one out. So what's it called again? Laser? Laser Time. Laser Time. Podcast. Cool. Can't yeah, wait. it's just a pop culture podcast. It's really cool. It's just three or four American dudes who, um, yeah, just pick a pop culture topic and dive right in. It really nice. did. Nice. Cool, man. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. that was the uh, Puerto Rican day for this week. Indeed. Before we wrap it up, I just wanted to mention uh, this is actually our final week for our uh, seven degrees of separation appeal. So uh, from about two or three months ago, we started putting the call out for anyone who went by the name of Seven. Um, if you are named Seven, if you know anyone named Seven, if you know anyone named, is anyone named Seven, whatever. Even Soda. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or Soda. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you know anyone by the name of Seven or if you name Seven or Soda, get in touch with us. Um, our email is beautifulbasspodcast at gmail.com. You can get at us on socials. Uh, our handle's at Bibblebask, and uh, we've got a website, Bibblebaspodcast.com. Uh, sorry, just Bibblebask.com. That's it. Um, yeah, and this we decided that this is going to be our final week. We've had a few people uh, write in, which is really cool. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's been great. Next week, we'll go through all the people that, that wrote in, and we'll talk a bit about them, and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll figure out something to <laughs> to to send them. Or, I don't know. Yeah, we'll send we, you we something. 
surprise or, or an ending to the, the appeal. But uh, yeah, if you have gotten in touch, we really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about it a bit more next week. So yeah, one more week until we until we wrap that up. And yes, and next week we're talking about season three, episode eighteen, the limo, which is a pretty good episode in my opinion. Very bit controversial with the uh, the material and the uh, the subject <laughs> matter, but nonetheless, it's a pretty good episode. Very solid in my opinion, and quite a few secondary characters. Secondary characters I'm looking forward to uh, talking about. Yeah, indeed. And if you think about it, it's kind of like. Uh, this episode where it's sort of a plot about nothing. It's mostly set in a limo. That's it. I know. It's another one of those away from the apartment episodes. Yeah, and I think this one was better than the Puerto Rican Day because it was just a bit more solid. Oh, this is miles better. Miles better than the Puerto Rican Day. Sure. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, this is classic Seinfeld. Of course it is. Golden Age. I, yeah, I'm predicting really this will be. I'm predicting this will be in your top five, easy. That's just my guess, but uh, we'll see. We'll find out. Yes, and next week Stephen's going to be back in the studio with me. So uh, the Skype the Skype calls have been fun, the Skype episodes. Uh, but no, next week we're going to be face to face, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it should be really good. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening this week. And uh, again, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, our email address is bigwoobasspodcast@gmail.com. Uh, our social media handle is at Bidwabas, and uh, we've got a website, bidwabas.com. B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C is the, uh, the spelling of our acronym. And, uh, yeah, we're available on iTunes and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And if you want to leave a review, uh, that would be awesome. Yeah, and be sure to stream, like, subscribe, retweet, you know, favorite, love, whatever the hell it is you do on whatever platform. Be sure to do it for us. We appreciate the support and we thank you for listening. Whether you're a first-time listener or you've been with us since the Soup Nazi, we really appreciate you listening in. We always do every week. Yep, It's great. Yeah, we do. That's why we do it. So, yeah, thanks again for listening and uh, we'll catch you all next week. Catch you next week. We'll be going for a ride in the limo. We can't wait. 